so we can all recognize this as worship. But what about this, or this, or this, or even this? Yeah, that's worship too. I mean, because worship, we see it expressed all the time. Everybody, all over the world, we all do it. Whether it's our favorite sports team, a cause, a lover, our favorite artist, even nature, the sun, the moon, and the stars, our jobs, and our wealth, and yes, even to God. We all do it. The question is not whether we worship, but what and how we worship. And this should come as no surprise to any of us because God made us this way. We were created for worship. The Bible says that he has set eternity in the hearts of men. We search for more. We look for purpose and meaning. We long to worship something, someone. But how do we as followers of Christ ensure that our worship is not what God describes as useless fires on my altar, but true, proper, acceptable, great worship? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father and Holy Ghost. All right, a lot of you know that one. It's called the doxology, or rather I should say, a version of doxology. And we're gonna come back to that in just a little bit. Uh, we are wrapping up our series on worship today. Worship, it's more than you think. Worship, it's more than singing. It's more than just lyrics to a song. Worship is standing in the presence of God and declaring his praises and receiving his grace. Worship is more than singing, but it certainly doesn't exclude singing. And today, I'd like to make the case for it, that singing is good for the soul. There's just something about it. Uh, this past week, I read through a handful of studies describing how singing helps uh, patients uh, with Alzheimer's or dementia reconnect. Uh, people with dementia remember songs because music and melodies are stored in a part of their brain which is unaffected by the disease. There's just something about it. Playing or humming favorite tunes can bring back happy memories. I recall when I first started out pastoring, and on occasion I would lead the chapel service at uh, NHC, that's the National Healthcare Center, um, the nursing home there in St. Charles down on Prowley Lane. And when I first started, I got to tell you, my messages went, uh, oh, a little too long. Uh, rookie mistake, I quickly picked up that these folks just did not have the strength to endure 25 minutes of Chuckshley fumbling through a sermon. And so each time I went, I kept whittling it down, you know. I, I would talk less and we would sing more because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to 
sing. And so my preaching went from 20 minutes, and then it went to 15 minutes, and then it went to 10 minutes. But apparently that was even too long. I remember a, a dear woman in the, the back of the room interrupted me right in the middle of my talk, you know, and she said, when are we going to sing Amazing Grace? I said, right now. Amen. And so we sang Amazing Grace. And now I've just put a temptation in your head. <laughs> Haven't I? I see you in the back there. I hear you thinking, you know, if it worked once, maybe it can work again. When are we going to sing Amazing Grace? I get it. I get it. There's just something about it singing. It's true, John Ortberg writes, from the beginning, the faith of the people of Israel and the faith of the people of the church is a faith that is expressed and it is strengthened in song. We are people who sing our faith. Somehow when we sing, the words have a way of getting from our head and into our heart. And there's so much singing throughout scripture. Some of the songs that come to my mind are really the songs of victory, including the song of Moses and the Israelites after they uh, come through the Red Sea like it was just a walk in the park. They sang. I think of David and all those beautiful psalms, which are really songs. Psalm 8, oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie high in pastures green. He leadeth me a quiet waters by. You know Psalm 51? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. I grew up singing in church right out of the old red hymnal. One of my earliest and fondest memories is uh, just kind of watching and listening to my old dad singing in church. Oh, man, he's a big guy. He's a tough guy. He's a strong guy. But I'll tell you, he wasn't too big, too tough, and too strong not to sing praises to Jesus. I remember my grandpa, oh, singing terribly just terribly in church, you know. He could not carry a tune in a bucket, but he sang beautifully. Oh, if you can't sing good, sing loud. And, uh, and Grandpa did, man. He brought it. Sing, sing, men of God. Psalm 92, it is good to sing to praise the Lord and make music to your name. Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy unto the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord all the earth. Praise his name, for great is the Lord, and he is most worthy of praise. Psalm 98, 
Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. My soul will praise him with a new song. I could go on and on and on with the Psalms. I also think of Luke, you know, chapter 1. Mary breaks out in song. She just had to. The angel comes to her with this news. Hey, Mary, congrats. You're pregnant. And by the way, it's the Son of God. And so she just had to sing about that. And of course, the angels sang to the shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem that holy night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to all on whom his favor rests. And then eight days later, Mary and Joseph, they show up with little Jesus. They bring their newborn to the temple, and they're met by this old man named Simeon. And he takes Jesus in his arms, and he sings, Lord, let now your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people. A beautiful song, lots and lots of singing in Scripture. There's just something to it, singing. And get this, get this. It's not supposed to be optional. It's commanded even, seriously. It's not supposed to be optional. Singing is commanded, why? Because it's good for us. You see, God gives us commands for our benefit. Singing is good for us, just as other spiritual disciplines are good for us. Prayer, fasting, giving, serving, singing. The Apostle Paul says, do this. Sing. Ephesians chapter 5, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do this, Paul says. Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude word, gratitude in your hearts to God, which brings us back to doxology. What is doxology? It's singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. Feel free to jump in. It's so good. Let's do it again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen, which means yes. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. That's doxology. It's gratitude in your heart to God. It's thanksgiving. It's an expression of praise to God. And so doxology is a praise song. And I would say all praise songs are doxology. Doxology is giving praise where it's deserved. Doxology is something we sing 
And not just on Sunday morning, you know, here, but it's a song to sing just every day as you worship wherever you may be. Take doxology with you out the door. Take doxology with you wherever you go. It's, it's really good for us. It really is. Psychologist Richard Beck tells us why. One, singing doxology, which again is gratitude in your heart to God. Okay, it's a good thing. Why? Because doxology fights off the basic anxieties that we have from thinking that we don't have enough. You ever think you don't have enough? Sing doxology. Furthermore, doxology fights off the neurotic anxieties we have from thinking we're not successful enough. Doxology gives us courage. Singing is how we cultivate and how we express to God the gratitude in our hearts. You see, what singing does, it, it, it turns our inward uh, worried thoughts onto our very great, our very loving, our very capable God. It gets us off of ourselves and our problems and our worries and our fears and all that, and it, it goes to God. Also, Beck writes, singing is just as much about courage as it is about gratitude. I'm reminded of uh, St. Paul and, uh, and Silas singing in jail after they were beaten and arrested in Philippi. We looked at a little bit at this last week. Here's the setup. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Bloodied, beaten, bruised, in the stocks, unable to move, yet able to sing. Singing in the dark. They were beaten, and yet they sing. Yeah, singing rekindles courage. Singing is a way of resisting fear. Singing is a way of resisting despair. Singing is an act that says everything's going to be all right, even when it looks like it's not. There's just something about it. I've seen it. Uh, seven years ago, July, Deb was dying of cancer. In the last week of her earthly life, I went to the house uh, to make a visit. I made my way upstairs to her bedroom, and there was singing coming from inside there. Her husband and her son and her daughters were gathered around the bed. And Deb's mom and dad were also there, and they were singing. Deb 
was softly singing. Do you know what she sang? How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all the world will see how great is our God. That's what we sang in the dark. And then I read a little bit from God's word. And then we prayed. And then some more singing. Deb's father offered, abide with me. And we sang. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. That's doxology. Singing when things appear to be as dark as night, the people of God sing. Jesus sang. On the night he was betrayed, do you know what he sang? Most scholars believe that it was Psalm 118, which is really a song. You know how it goes? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now that just staggers me. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As Jesus went out to die, and the darkness of the sin of the world was settling in on him, our Savior sang, Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His love endures forever. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Oh, we know. The cross. That's what man will do to you. They will nail you to a cross. Jesus would take our sins to the cross and pay our price and die our death. He would take our punishment and he would die. Only to rise again in victory so that you and I could have eternal life so that, that we could have life here and now and have it to the full. And that's why we sing because it's settled. It's settled. We're good to go. He did it all. That's why we sing, because we know that sin, that even death will not have the final word. We sing. We got to sing. With gratitude in our hearts to God, we sing. In times of victory, we sing.
In times of defeat, we sing, sing in good times and in bad times. Sing doxology with gratitude in your heart to God, even when, no, 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 especially when you don't feel like it. That's something I picked up from Eugene Peterson. He wrote this, he said, feelings are great liars. If Christians only worshiped when they felt like it, there would be precious little worship. Feelings are important in many areas, but they're completely unreliable in matters of faith. The Bible wastes very little time on the way we feel. Peterson continues, this is really important stuff. I'd like us to uh, consider, at least understand it. He says this, we think that if we don't feel something, that there could be no authenticity in it if we don't feel it. But the wisdom of God says something different, and here it is, that we can act ourselves in a new way of feeling quicker than we can feel our way into acting. Uh, just, let's just pause, think about this. Instead of waiting to feel something before you act, act and the feelings will catch up. You can do this with all areas of life, by the way. When you're feeling, you know, lousy or feeling, uh, or this, or maybe a relationship, or whatever the thing is. Certainly with worship, I don't feel like worship, go to worship. Feelings, uh, feelings are great, but feelings can't drive. Feelings are in the back seat. Act, feelings catch up. Worship, I'm talking Sunday, I'm talking everyday worship, is an act, okay? that develops feelings for God. Worship is not a feeling for God that is only expressed as an act of worship. So, when we obey the command to doxology, to praise him with gratitude in our hearts, no matter what, no matter where, as we do this, as we act, our relationship with God is strengthened and it's nurtured. Right? Take doxology with you wherever you go, especially in the dark. Your mood will become more hopeful. There's just something about it, okay? Singing. The spirits start to lift. All of a sudden, you get one of these things. Smile starts appearing on that face because singing is where holiness and hope kind of come together. Doxology is an act of spiritual warfare. It is a way of resisting the devil. 
It is reminding yourself that you're not alone, that God is good, that he's got you, that he's with you, that he's for you, everything's going to be all right, that he loves you no matter what. Take doxology with you. Without doxology, we might as well be dead. And that's a line from an old sermon written by this guy named Fred Craddock. He says, without doxology, we might as well be dead. In that message, he tells about this idea that he had, and he, he named it doxology. He said, I, I took doxology inside to our family supper table. A supper is family time, and conversation is usually a reflection upon the day, and if it's unusually quiet, I, I often ask, what was, the, what was the worst thing that happened to you today? And John answers, school bell rang at 8.30. <laughs> okay, okay, well, what was the best thing that happened today? It rang again at 3.30. Tongues are loosed, and all of us, Laura, John, my wife Nettie, and I, we share our days. Supper's a good time, and it's pleasant, and the, the whole family agreed that doxology really belonged at the table. The next day, doxology went with me downtown for some routine errands, but somehow they didn't seem routine anymore. We laughed at a child who was Losing in a race with an ice cream cone, his busy tongue unable to stop the flow down to his elbow. We studied the face of an old man staring into a jewelry store window and wondered if he was remembering or hoping for better days. We went around town and it was, it was good to have doxology along. But I had to stop at St. Mary's Hospital to see Betty. Uh, Betty was dying with cancer, and the gravity of my visit prompted me to leave doxology in the car. Now, doxology insisted on going in and was not at all convinced by my reasons for considering it, you know, just inappropriate to take doxology into the room of a dying patient. And so I locked doxology in the car. Betty was awake, and she was glad to see me. I awkwardly skirted the subject of death. It's all right, she said. I know, and I've worked it all through. God has blessed me with a wonderful family and, and good friends and much happiness, and, and so I'm grateful. I do not want to die but I'm not bitter. Before I left, it was she who had the prayer. Back in the car, doxology asked, should I have been there? I answered, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Now, of course, doxology went with us on uh, family uh, vacation. This summer, we went down to the beach, uh, to the Gulf, and oh man, what a, what a good time. 
a swim before breakfast, a snooze in the afternoon sun, a walk on the beach looking for shells in the evening. There is no question at all. Doxology definitely belongs on vacation. Too soon, it's uh, school time again. And I returned to teach seminary classes. It was from the class on Romans that I was called to the phone. My oldest brother had just died, heart attack. When stunned and hurt, I get real busy and avoid thought. Uh, call the wife, get the kids out of school, arrange for a colleague to take my classes, cancel a speaking engagement, and oh yeah, stop the milk and the paper and the mail and have someone feed the dog. Who's gonna take my Sunday school class, service the car? My wife said, I think I packed the clothes that we need as we threw our luggage and our bodies into the car and we drove all night across two states, eyes pasted open against the windshield. Conversation was spasmodic, consisting of taking turns, just asking the same questions over and over, and no one pretended to have the answers. When we drew near the town and the house, I searched my mind for a word, just a, a first word to the widow. He was my brother, but he was her husband. And I was still searching when we pulled into the driveway and she came out to meet us and as I opened the car door, still without a word, she broke the silence and said, I hope you brought doxology. Doxology? No, I had not. I had not even thought of doxology since the phone call. But the truth is now clear. If we ever lose our doxology, we might as well be dead. So take doxology with you. There's just something about it. Singing is good for the soul. It's commanded, and that's because it's God's gift to us. It's good to have doxology with you and sing with gratitude in your heart to God. There's just something about it, that you're not alone, that God is good, that he is with you, and for you, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he's got you. Any questions? Yes, you, in the back, what? When are we gonna sing Amazing Grace? <laughs> right now, amen.
Mercy 